Well, welcome. It's a special bonus episode of Not Sam Wrestling because you know on the podcast we love celebrating when wrestling gets mainstream. Any any anytime as wrestling gets closer and closer to back to mainstream, we always celebrate. And I feel like right now, for a lot of reasons, it's happening. But one of the big reasons is because you turn on the Stars Channel, and on Sunday nights in prime time, you've got a, a a drama dedicated to the storytelling art form that we all know and love, professional wrestling. And we've got two of the people involved with that program here with us today. First, uh, the wrestling coordinator for the show and somebody who's going to be popping up later this season. Friend of mine, he's been here in the Nazi studio before, Luke Hawks. Hi. And uh, fellow actor and uh, former, now retired professional wrestler, CM Punk is here as well. What's going on, man? Oh, it's been it's been hectic. I apologize. I had to move this this uh, this meeting a couple of times, but it's it's insane over here. No problem at all. Are you guys? Uh, hey, Sam. Yeah, man. Sam, Sam. Yeah. I just want to cut you off real quick. Yeah. I'm curious to why we didn't get like the clapping noise effect in the background. I'm no, you're right. Houston. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Trust me. It'll 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 come in later. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have to be uh, pretty psyched. I mean, you're not you're you're not on episode one of Heels, so you, you kind of got to sit back and just see like, okay, where are we at after episode one? And like, I was looking on wrestling Twitter as I tend to do. And it felt like, yeah, I know, it's a scary place. It's a mistake, usually. <laughs> 100%. But I felt like wrestling Twitter was was pretty into the show. I looked at, at regular life, and all the reviews for it were good. I decided to go ahead and watch it, and I actually enjoyed myself, which is usually a pretty good gauge on a show. Um, but you guys had to be happy with the feedback on the first episode. I thought I so. was Luke. Yeah, I was, man. I, I, I'm pumped. Uh, I thought they really did a good job with it because you never know when you're working on a project, even if you're acting, you're behind the scenes, you never know what the final product's going to be. So I like, I've, I've watched episode one and two so far. Uh, I haven't watched beyond that. And I'm, I'm trying I, as much as I want to, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to wait and try to be surprised as the season goes on. But uh, man, I'm really, really pleased with the way they did things. Um, of course, we could always nitpick if we wanted to, but you know, I just think, man, god damn, they did a really good job. What do you think, Phil? Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, I, I think especially since we're pushing how authentic and 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 true to life this is, um, within within the realms of, hey guys, we also have to shoot a television show. There's a couple of things that, as I was watching it, because I'm like you, I didn't bother watching screeners or anything. I, I've read all the scripts, uh, so I, I I know what happens. I worked on the show, obviously, but um, I want to just watch watch it unfold. I, I almost want to watch it with fans. I know we've been live tweeting and we did some some live Instagram stuff, but um, yeah, so far so good. I, I really enjoyed the first episode. And again, it's like when I'm doing all this media and they're asking me about professional wrestling, I almost have to stress that you know, like it just so happens that this is what these people do for a living. It's like the family. It's a family business. Uh, it's no different than a Friday Night Lights. Uh, you know, you could say, yeah, that's a show about football, but it's it's really not. You know, like it just so happens that it's set in this world. And normally they get it wrong. 
right? Like, um, I mean, I, you know, if you want to talk about nitpicking, like, do I necessarily like Jack typing out like choke slam? No, <laughs> I don't, I don't, but, 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 but is that the world we live in currently in 2021? Yes, 100%. I, I like, I, I, I don't look at that and go, this would never, this would never happen. That's right. really- in some places are different. You yeah. know, you, you've obviously before WWE, you've been a million places on the Indies. Every promotion is different. Everybody does something different. You know, some people I have walked in the show before where people hand me not necessarily a script of my match, but they hand me a script of what's going on. Dude. And- I, I remember one time <laughs> in Indianapolis, this is a true story. Chris hero, Chucky smooth and me. Um, I can't remember who the fourth person was. It was a four-way and we walked into this building in Indianapolis and the promoter who was like a 17-year-old kid handed us this piece of paper and we just looked at it and we were like, what the fuck is this? And it said like, <laughs> it had me doing a shooting star press and I was just like, what? <laughs> this, this ain't happening. And, you know, so like, it's just, it, it, it is it is a representation of that. I mean, Randy Savage, right? Randy Savage is a guy who notoriously scripted stuff. And I think pro wrestling purists almost want to forget that because there is the romantic aspect of wrestling where you're like, oh, I just threw my boots on and we got in there and walk and talk. We called it in there. You know, the reality of it is a lot of people talk about a lot of stuff that they do previously or beforehand. Yeah, and oh, I, everybody's everybody's different. I'm sorry, Sam. No, 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 I don't, I, not at all. But I thought the same thing. Like as I'm watching, because there there's that scene early in the episode where he's like literally scripting out the moves, and I was like, oh, maybe they just put this in so kind of normies and mainstream people would kind of get the you know where we're going with this. But I also, I mean, I did think it kind of worked because as the episode progresses, you're like, okay, the Stephen Amell character obviously takes this stuff super, probably way too seriously. Like he is a control freak, you know. He, I relate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, and, and, and so do I. Because like when you're a perfectionist and you want things to run right, you obviously want things you're done done your way, and you also have to kind of nitpick, right? A lot. You have to nitpick on what you want done, and everybody's look. You can, you guys know this better than anybody that there's always somebody who thinks they can do it better or knows more than you. No matter where you're at, you can be on top of the world there's somebody who can do it better than you because they, you know, and they'll, they'll let you know online, you know? So, um, but you know, I, I watched the episode and I like the build to it. You know, uh, I think that they took their time going to where they had to get to. And then at the end, it just got you because, and I, I liked how they, you know, we're not giving the spoiler right here, but I, I really liked how towards the finish when his wife comes in there, she goes, who's going over, who's going to win. And he says, doesn't matter. It's not real. And then he turns it into a shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, before Punk, before you signed on, because you were signing on as like a, a, an actor, I think, did you kind of have to make sure like, okay, number one, this can't just be, this has to be like a real show, not just a wrestling show. And number two, if it's going to be a real show, it can't be like a hokey thing that doesn't even really get wrestling because that's the way wrestling's been forever right it's like either you love it and you get every aspect of it or you don't want anything to do with it and it's so hard finding that middle ground that allows people who might just watch a television show to wrap their head around doing it in the world of professional wrestling 
Well, I knew about this project back in, don't quote me, I think it was 2016. Um, I spent a week in LA, it might've been two weeks, I can't remember, with, uh, with Waldron and I auditioned for the role of Jack. So, you know, when I jumped on board this time in the Ricky Rabies role, like I, I wasn't like, oh, is this show authentic? This, mm. this, that, because if they booked me to be, you know, a, a pirate from outer space on some other television show, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, is this, is this authentic? <laughs> and let me check if the planet I'm from has a certain gravity and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's fucking television, man. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's make-believe, uh, you know, and it, at its, at its base, a job is a job, but I was super stoked about this. And so is Waldron, you know, he's the one who reached out to me and was just like, Hey man, we got this spot for you and I'm super excited. I hope you can do it. And, you know, I think I might've been on a plane like the next day because I had to, I had to get there, hurry up and quarantine and do all the, uh, the proper procedures and stuff like that. But, you know, it was almost like a pleasant surprise how, um, authentic and love letter ish it was overall to pro wrestling but i knew that also going in because waldron wrote all eight episodes and he's you know he's a fan did you grow a mullet or or is it a wig uh it was, um it was a covid mullet you nice. know like i didn't i probably got my hair cut i want to say in february or march right before everything shut down for covid so fast forward to God, was it November, November, December? I can't remember when I, when I got the call and I just had like, I just had hair everywhere and I was like, well, hopefully this, this works. And I, I showed up and I remember sitting in the, uh, the hair and makeup trailer for the first time and turning to my right. And there was this Joe dirt mullet and it said Ricky rabies on it. And I was just like, that thing's ridiculous. You know, like, let's, can we just, work with what we got here you know and they they cut it and sculpted it and you know made it look the way it looks on the show i love that yeah, i think it was early november i think it was early november because we went on a little hiatus from thanksgiving until uh new year's and yeah then... the show was kind of cursed for a second before i jumped on board yeah, it was... <laughs> <You> saved it. <laughs> uh but they did it they did a good job man and the whole team the production team Michael Malley, the showrunner, like with all the obstacles they had going on due to COVID and stuff, they they always made sure to keep people working and keep things rolling. So that that was a really difficult thing to do because, you know, it, it, we we weren't we weren't in a COVID bubble, but we were on some sort of lockdown. Like they gave us the you know our own free will to go home and do whatever we wanted to do, but it was like you wasn't supposed to go out. Please don't go to restaurants. Please don't do the things that could possibly hinder the show. So uh, people still ended up catching COVID and, you know, be one person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so th then they'd have to, you know, shut things down for a day, figure out who was exposed. And, and you know, those people would be quarantined for two weeks. But Mike and the rest of the crew, they'd go around and go back into scramble mode. You know, we'd be shooting episode three and also be shooting episode seven at the same time. So it was, it was wild, but they did such a good job. And, and you don't see a lot of, productions ran that way or or that efficiently so man I, I gotta say my hats are off to those guys for doing that because they all kept us employed they all kept us working and they made sure everybody was safe and everybody was healthy and everybody was happy when you're uh i mean this has to be a perfect gig for you hawks because you know we've known each other for a while and you've been wrestling for 20 plus years as well as 
acting for years and years and years and doing stunt work for years and years and years. So when you can come in and be a stunt coordinator, but a wrestling stunt coordinator, it's like, oh, I guess I could just throw all my skill sets into one bucket and finally get to utilize all this stuff. Number one, like, how did that come about? And number two, when you started kind of teaching a, a lot of the actors who didn't have pro wrestling experience how to make this look like a television wrestling match, did you get any wide eyes from people like, oh, that's it? Oh. Of course, of course. But uh, it, it came about because uh, Artie Maleshi, who is a second unit director and stunt coordinator for a long, long time, he was on with the project and he had hit me up early on. Prior to that, I had heard about the project for, for a while. Um, and then once it got picked up and it got running again, several people reached out to me and said, hey, this is, this is your gig. Like, there's no doubt that you need to be working on this. Uh, you should be running this. So uh, I reached out to production, put my name in a hat, didn't hear anything back. Um, got contacted by a couple of stunt coordinators who were supposed to be getting the show, but all of them contacted me and were like, hey, we want you on board, we want you on board. And then Artie reached out and Artie's like, hey, I'm getting the show. I'm not going to do this show without you. And I didn't know Artie. So he had just heard of me. Uh, Artie's a legend in the business. And, and I'm thankful that he reached out to me. And he just said, there was only one catch. The only catch was, that I had to bring my son along with me. So, <laughs> you know, he's, he's the real star. So they were like, hey, yeah, yeah, we want you to do everything, but only if you can bring PJ with you. So that was cool. And that was the best thing about it because who, who wouldn't want to work in a dream job with a kid, you know, and, and enjoy those wonderful moments with a kid. I'm, I'm lucky in that way. And, you know, I've been plugging along in wrestling, plugging along in wrestling, chasing the dream, chasing the dream, chasing the dream. And, I've been fortunate enough to have a decent career and do things kind of my own way and branch off into acting and fitness and all that other stuff. And then what happened with heels was it took everything I was passionate about, which is wrestling, film, and fitness, and it compiled it in one. And I was like, I thought to myself when I was like, damn, I'm 39, about to be 40 years old. And I just got my dream job. You're washed up. You're washed. Son. <laughs> You're washed. <laughs> hey, seriously though, where where do I where do I go from here? Because I had my dream job, right? I had my dream job. I'm doing everything I love, and I'm making it with people that I love and care about. People like Phil, people like my son and my Wildcat team, and, and you know other stuntmen and other actors that I like, Chris Bauer and those guys. Just such a great team. When you work on such a good project, and I told my son, my son's 22. I said, you don't really, he's a hard worker, extremely hard worker, you know, but I, I wanted to stress, like, you really don't know how good you have it on this project because you didn't have to go through those trials and tribulations and fight your way up the hill the way some of us others had to. And although you've worked really hard and you're super talented, like, we don't know if you'll ever have big opportunities like this again that mean so much. And, you know, you'll get opportunities, sure. But, I mean, look, Phil's his favorite wrestler. Punk's his favorite wrestler, and he knows that. How often do you get to go do a job with, you know, somebody you idolize and you get along with and you, you buddies with? Like, that, that doesn't happen every day. So I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful that, you know, we got to provide opportunities, especially during a pandemic, for, for my guys at Wildcat that are working so hard. And I'm thankful just to be surrounded by good people. What's that like for you, Punk? I mean, I'm sure there's a big part of your brain that is still that same guy that was going to IWA Mid-South and kind of, you know, tearing shit up with Chris Hero and doing all that. So so when you go to a project like this, you're like, yeah, I mean, I, I was the king of independent wrestling for a while. I know exactly what this is. But realizing that when, like, Hawk Sun comes up to you and he's like, 
no man, you're my favorite wrestler. I idolize you. And you're like, oh, I'm not just that guy who went through the scene. Like I'm somebody, I'm an elder statesman. Punk, you're an elder statesman of pro wrestling now. What is what is that like for you? Hey, who's washed up now? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm washed up, bro. I'm washed up. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, what's it like? I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I can put myself in his shoes because I would assume that he looks at me how I look at Bret Hart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bret Hart's a dude I text with like every other day you know Amazing. just yeah and so it, like i i get it you know like they say don't meet your heroes you know like i i don't subscribe to that theory i i, I think you know you, you should 100 meet your heroes you know and it, and if you find out that they're shitty people then just get new heroes you know what i mean like yeah. but you know bret hart's a hero of mine he's he's a rad dude you know like i can i can talk to him I would kill to work on a project with, with Brett. So if that's the way, you know, EJ feels about me like that, it's humbling, but it also gives me, you know, it keeps me grounded, gives me a little bit of levity. And I know there's responsibility and leading by example. Well, I mean, I feel like as much acting as you're doing, you got to have some pull. Why don't you like reboot Lonesome Dove, the series? And then maybe, (laughs) no, listen, well, I mean, it, it's it's just like anything else it's not what you know it's who you know you know what i mean like i i i didn't get this job because i read for the role of rookie rabies they were just like here it's yours you know what i mean whereas i read for half a dozen things every week and i won't get them you know what i mean but like the instant there's somebody that i know attached to a project they're like oh yeah here here you go you don't even have to read for this and i'm just like all right. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sure for you know both. What? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Hawks. I was saying, you, you know what I was thinking of earlier? So I, I was thinking earlier, like shows that I want to work on because I'm fans of. I don't watch a lot of things. I don't really have a, a bunch of time to. But um, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I was like, man, I would really love to work on Curb Your Enthusiasm. But I, I, I unselfishly thought, I said, God, you know who would be better on that? Punk. Punk would be perfect on <laughs> an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> Ricky play John Ham's little brother. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think uh, this is for both of you? Because Luke Hawks, you have, as I said, a ton of experience in Hollywood, and and I'm sure you've dealt with just as much, if not more, rejection than Punk. Everybody in Hollywood deals with that. Do you think pro wrestling equips you? Like that's one of the people say. Like pro wrestling equips you with the ability to to be able to perform, to be able to do anything at a moment's notice, to be able to. Do you think it also equips you to handle rejection and be able to move on pretty quickly? Uh, I think, yeah, because I think you have to have really thick skin to be in pro wrestling for such a long amount of time. Mm. You know, you get let down so many times, whether it be, you know, thinking you're going to get signed or, or you're going to work with somebody you really want to work with or a match doesn't go the way you want it to go. So I think to have a successful career, you've got to be thick skinned and you can't take Although we do, we often do, you can't take it personal. You know, I, I'm, I'm always, I feel like I'm always fighting from the bottom, no matter what. And that does get old, you know, especially when you feel like you've paid your dues and you put your time in and you have success and you go, hey, look, I did this. I did it. I did it. Nobody else. I did it. And it was successful. And I did this and it was successful. I was a part of this. And it was success- successful. Why are you still making me fight, fight, fight? So, but, but that, you know, that's part of the, 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 the thing. And entertainment, like there's a million people 
or more trying to get your spot or your job. So no matter where you go, you have to beat somebody out. And there's always somebody right behind you trying or willing to take your spot. So you got to be on your shit, man, 24-7. It's a hustle. It's a grind. No matter what level you're at, you got to keep at it. You got to have a good attitude. You got to have a, a strong, strong work ethic. When, when you're performing, no matter what, man, I've been on shows before where like it's just like mostly action where they don't play. Like there's no, the, the air gets sucked out of the room how strict they are. And it's like a really intense job. But then I'll, give, I'll tell you a funny story. There was a movie called Keeping Up with the Joneses. And I, I don't know if I've ever told this story in an interview before, but it's pretty good. So towards the finale of Keeping Up with the Joneses, um, there's this scene where Ishla Fisher and Gal Gadot make out. And it was a big scene. And this is a comedy. And I, this is the first comedy I worked on. Everything else has been like drama or action or, or, or horror film or something. So... The guys like Patton Oswalt and Zach Galifianakis and all them, they were joking around a lot on set and they would go through takes and they would make jokes. And uh, when it came to this makeout scene, it was pretty intense and it went on for a while. Like they, they would get, Gal and, and Isla would get like about within a foot of each other. And before they would start kissing, they never got to kissing. Before they got there, they just start busting out laughing, both of them, right? I mean, and I'm busting, busting out laughing. Well, it went on for a while. Everybody's laughing along with them. Every, it's a joke every time. After so long, it starts to get a little pressure. People are like, all right, come on, let's get this shit done. Let's get it done. We, 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 you know, we're eating up the clock. This is money. This is, you know, how much money's going on, how many people they have employed. It's all hourly, all that stuff. So, like, people were starting to get a little tense. Well, there's this one scene, and they go in, they go in, they go in, they do the dialogue, and all this, and I'm standing right next to them. Like, I'm literally right next to them. They start kissing and they get into it for about three seconds. And I sneezed. I couldn't hold it, man. It was so loud. Like I just went, my big sneeze. Oh, oh hey. I, my heart sank in my stomach. I thought I was about to get fired, right? So Gal stops, she looks at me and she goes, bless you. And then she goes back in to make it out. And it was so funny. Everybody lost their shit. Everybody was laughing so hard. But I was like, my heart was in my stomach, man. I was like, oh, my God, I just killed this scene. It took so long to finally get into it. And then everybody just laughed. They yelled cut. And we were laughing, laughing, laughing. I, I wasn't really laughing because I was like sweating balls going, who am I going to get yelled at by? Who am I going to get yelled at by? <laughs> and uh, they laughed it off. And then we went and finished the scene. That, every scene after that was fine. But, man, that was, that was a hell of a buildup. Yeah. <laughs> It seems stressful. It seems stressful yeah. to be like, I could sneeze and I could lose my job. But I guess, you know, these things happen. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, You know, I do... So, so Luke, you... You run a promotion doing huge shows in uh, the Louisiana area. Do you run your promotion the way they do on heels? Like, do you, do you have a, a, a tight grip on on everything that everyone's doing, or are you more the guy that's like, "All right, guys, I brought you all in for a reason. Go out there and do your shit." No, it's not that simple. I'm pretty tight gripped. I mean, I don't write everything out, but, you know, I tell guys what I expect from everything. And there's a few guys that I kind of let off on their own. Guys like Matt Lancey and Jay Spade and those cats. Like, even even my son, I kind of let them do their own things because I want them to reach that part in their mind where they're using it for the better and getting that experience, you know? So if there is a mistake made, we can fix it. But like, you got to give those guys those opportunities to either succeed or make those mistakes. If they make a mistake again, we fix it. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I'll tell guys what I want from everything. And I'll, it, it, and I wear a lot of hats and obviously I own it. So, you know, you're not only just a promoter, the booker, like I'm running around doing tickets and dealing wow. with every problem we have. So it, it's hard. I have guys that back me up. And to be honest, my son has stepped up in that role so much because he's been around me and he's grown, like he's done everything with me, right? So he knows how I want things. And that's how it was in heels. Like I'd be wearing 10 hats and, and Punk could tell you, I, I'm doing like a million different things, not only just acting and hiring wrestlers and, and, you know, researching videos on guys and looking for stunt doubles and this and that and putting the, the choreography together. I can leave like Spade and Perry together and, and say, hey, this is what we need. This is how long it needs to be. You guys figure it out. And I'll come back in a couple hours and see what you guys got. And, and it, it always pretty much be done just the way I want it. Or, or, you know, we might make some slight tweaks, but I do believe that guys need those opportunities to find themselves and find their, 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 their own personality in a business and what they have to offer. Punk. One of the things that I found when I was like digging through stuff during COVID and you're just in your house all the time is I'm going through like old DVDs and stuff. And I found the 2005 Ring of Honor Summer of Punk DVD set and just like put it on because it's like, you know, as a wrestling fan, you remember it. But I don't remember the last time I watched that. Right. Like I just because it's in, it's in my mind and like I'm watching it back and I'm watching all these. You know, you watch You watch the first match and then the promo afterwards. And then you're watching these series of matches and it's just like such a magical time and a, a perfect story like like seeing seeing you and 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 you can see it like you're in there and like this moment and this turn that you make on the crowd where you really do become the devil like it it's it's it was magnificent i think you know this was that a story that you were were very much hands on for did ring of honor kind of go punk this is your vision you tell us where to go with this summer or was it more collaborative well, yeah, I remember talking to Gabe and Gabe was like, you're, you're going to sign, you're gone, you're gone. And I was like, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And then, you know, I was doing, I was doing dark matches. Um, there, I, there was this listlessness I had that summer where I was just like, felt like I did everything, felt like I helped 
build a, a good place in Ring of Honor where guys could not only come and learn to work, um, but fucking make good money doing it, you know? Um, and I was just, I'm, I'm always that guy that's just kind of like, you know, I'm looking for the next sunrise while still being present and enjoying what I'm doing, but knowing that eventually it's going to get old for me and I, I need to move on. And, you know, it's the best thing about territory wrestling back in the day was that guys could go to other places and they'd be fresh and it was constant, you know, territories would have like top eight guys, you know, you got a top tag team, two baby faces and the four guys they work with. And then you filter guys in, in and out. And I had already done everything in ring of honor. Like I didn't know what else I was going to do. And it's kind of like how I felt we were handed the, the Joe punk trilogy. Uh -huh. Um, is because I, I number one, I got Joe drunk and I was like, we're going to do a 60 minute draw. And that was simply because there was nowhere else for us to go. Joe had hit a wall uh, when it came to his opponents. There was nobody else for him to work. I was literally wrestling Joe because I was the only guy that Joe had beat. And if I didn't say, hey, we're going to go 60 minutes, Joe would have just beaten me. And so I'm very much a guy that looks at, you know, like, what's a different way to do something instead of him just beating me. And it's not about him not pinning me and me trying to not get beat. It was more or less, how do we draw more out of this? Uh, let's, let's go 60 minutes and then we can always revisit it. If we need a main event down the road and that we are literally at that point where our backs were against the wall and we needed main events, you know? And so everybody loved the idea. We did it. It sort of worked. Uh, and then we just fell into that and it was, it was more natural. The same thing with the summer of punk. I fielded a phone call one day and I, you know, I, I took a job and I told Gabe and Gabe was like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, fortunately this is going to leak. And that's a good thing. You know, I think you got to think outside the box a lot of the time and knowing it was going to leak and knowing the way people think, oh, punk signs with WWE. That means it's immediate. But what they didn't realize is I said, I'll sign, but I need to work out the rest of my dates. And I'm, I don't know what they do now, but they used to be good about that. You know, letting people finish up their dates some places. So I knew I had X amount of time and I said, let's do this. You know, the people won't know when I'm gone. If I say I'm signed, they're going to think I'm, this is my last show. So let's, let, let's shock them. And it wasn't swerve them just to swerve them. It was let's swerve them because they're literally not going to know what happened, what's going to happen. They'll think they'll know, but we can keep them on the edge of their seat. And from show to show, you book it like it's a television show. You, you end shows with question marks. What happens? Well, I got to tune in next week. I got to go to the next show. I got to find out what happens. Um, I'm not going to say it was easy coming up with the creative for that, but like, you know, you work with what you got and that landed in our lap. And I just felt like it was the right thing to do, you know, and it was a lot of fun too. But a challenge is good, right? That challenge, yeah, that's 100%. Great, great challenge. And that, that's the same way I feel about acting roles. I, I don't know about you, but it's like, I don't always want to just play the bad guy. You know, I don't want to be the bouncer no. or, or, or this guy. Like, I want to branch out into other roles and do different things and kind of challenge myself. I had a role on um, Claws, which is a TV show on TNT, I believe. Um, and they called me about it. They approached me and they said, hey, we want you to audition for this role, but we, we pretty much want to hire you this role. You still got to do a little audition for it, but uh, we need to see if you're comfortable with it first. And they're like, it's a pretty, pretty intense role. And I said, well, what is it, you know? And they said, you're going to be a, a gay glitter wrestler. 
And I was like, I'm in. I'm like, I'm in. Sign me up. Like, like you don't have, I'm not playing bad guy number four. I'm not playing an inmate. I'm not playing the guy who starts to fight at the bar. You know, like, it's, it's a challenge for me to transition to something else and show some diversity. So, yeah, I don't care. Put me in. Let me audition. Let's go. I'm ready to go. And I, do you 100%. feel that way with, with roles, with acting roles? Yeah, I, I mean, I look at a guy like Batista, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I, obviously you can look at Dave or you can look at The Rock or you look at John. They're going to be action heroes, right, because of the way they look. But Dave's smart and he takes roles where he's almost taking the piss, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. he's kind of ribbing himself. Like, I, I don't know if you guys saw Stuber. I thought Stuber was, was, mm-hmm. it was, it was amazing. Him and Kumail are hysterical. Like, I want more i i want as many stuber sequels as there were lethal weapon sequels because you know <laughs> dave dave is like the big kind of ofi guy who can't see and he's you know like that he he challenges himself and he takes roles that you normally wouldn't think you know like i i mean i know back in the day arnold was the guy and arnold specifically would or wouldn't take roles based on like how he looked you know what i mean like oh can't make arnold look weak you know, but once he branched out and started doing goofier stuff and comedies and stuff like that, I, I just think it shows you more range. And yeah, playing a gay glitter wrestler actually sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah. it goes back to it goes back to your original point, Punk, of needing to do new things, like to keep things mm-hmm. fresh. It's like if you're just doing the same role over and over and over again it's like it's not going to be fun you're going to get the paycheck but it's not you're not going to have a good time doing it and that's the only right. reason to be in any form of entertainment whether it's show business or acting sports entertainment is like if it's not fun i don't know what you're doing like you can have order- not fun at other jobs that are way less stressful in, in order to grow and get better you have to have those experiences though you know you have to step outside the box so that's part of you know, being versatile. And like he said, Dave, I thought, you know, Dave does an excellent job with acting. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of things I want to do. Um, I think, you know, I really like to play like the father role and some things and branch out and do some more comedy. Cause I'm, I'm a huge comedy buff. Comedy is my favorite thing in the world. If, I, if I'm putting something on, I mean, I, I've, I've probably watched every episode of the office, you know, 20 times. Yeah. So like, I, I want to do more comedy and I'm hoping that down the line that comes my way. Uh, I owe you, Punk, a thank you for something. This was probably like, I don't know. It had to be, it was when you were having matches with uh, Curtis Axel. So, I mean, years ago. But you, Yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, but you did something for me that I never thanked you for, but it has, it's, it sat with me as one of the nicest things anybody's oh, no. ever what done. Do? Yeah, you probably don't even remember. So... No, you're gonna ruin. You're gonna ruin the gimmick. I, I'm, I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be a jerk. Yeah, I try to keep this story quiet because I don't want anybody thinking that you might actually be a decent human being under all that. Yeah. But uh, uh, you guys were WWE was doing a house show. It was like a weird Sunday afternoon Barclays Center house show, which like I mean, just just an odd thing. But it was it was either my birthday or the day after my birthday or something like that. And so I was sitting there and I don't know, I, I don't know if Joe Villa or somebody smartened you up and told you because you're having a street fight with Curtis Axel and I'm probably in like the fifth row or something like that. And so like, whatever, Curtis Axel is like beating the shit out of you with like kendo sticks or something like that. And then you start making your comeback 
and I stand up and start clapping. Middle of the ring, you see me clapping, and you made eye contact, and in the middle of the match, you go, happy birthday, motherfucker, and then you start beating up <laughs> Curtis Axel, and my wife looks at me like, did he just, and I go, yeah, 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 Jesse just did that, and it was so, it was so cool, because everybody in the section is like looking at me like, do you, and I go, I don't know, so I, you must know, I don't know, but it was. House shows, house shows were my lifeblood back then, man, is, is the only thing that kept me alive, honestly, like, <laughs> I had no, I had no boss on those house shows, they would, you know, people would be like, hey, you're doing this, and this, and this, and well, you know, we know you're going to go do whatever you want. So, you know, yeah. have fun. Yeah. Right, that, was, that was it. Yeah. And if I see Sam out there, I've just found out it's his birthday. I'm going to tell him happy birthday, motherfucker. And then, then here comes the comeback. And I was like, this is one of the coolest things that's ever happened in my experience at live shows. So thank you. Oh, great. It was no awesome. Problem. It was awesome. Uh, Luke Hawks. Where can people uh, get more information about the shows that you're putting on? Because I feel like I feel like it's it's so cool what's going on with wrestling right now, because, you know, we've got two giant promotions in the U.S. for the first time in forever that are both successful. And the indies are like on fire again, like the East Coast indies are good. The West Coast indies are good. But I feel like uh, I feel like there's not enough love for what's going on in your area of the country. And I see, you know, you keep me updated on what you guys are doing and you're doing huge attendance for some of these shows. Yeah. I mean, right before the pandemic, our, our last show, our eight year anniversary, we drew uh, a little over 2,200 people. So for those out there who are not there with math, that's 2,200 people. <laughs> oh, wow. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we, we did not get any like credit for online. It drives me crazy because we do so good. We have so many talented wrestlers. Um, but, you know, because we're in the South, we don't get a lot of publicity. And don't worry catch... about it. Don't worry about it. Like, or worry about money. those 22. Yeah. Well, worry yeah. about the 2200 that are in the building. And don't worry about it when people ain't talking about it because you're doing something right. You're yeah. right. You're right. And my, it's not like my guys aren't getting any opportunity because obviously they're making TV shows and they're wrestling other places, but they're just, you know, I want those guys, the names to be known because they work so hard. I want people to know my son. Uh, my son had to jump off the second story of the mall. <laughs> yeah. <Revival>. I, <laughs> so, uh, and, he's a three time. The funny thing about that is, you know, he's a shooter. He's a, he can tie almost anybody up. He's a three time state champion amateur wrestler. And he doesn't usually do things like that. And he goes, I hope people don't think I'm going to continue to do this. But then there's all this, the online stuff. They're like, oh, this kid obviously can't wrestle. That's why he's doing crap like this. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't wrestle. But, you know, we got, you know, Jay Spain, um, Matt, Matt Lancey, Buku Dow, Danny Flamingo, Chuck Devine. There's so many talented guys, Ryan Davison, that come out of Wildcat that are really, really, really good. I just want them to be, you know, not only nationally known, internationally known because their work ethic is there. Their ring work is there. Their talking ability is there. They look good. They take what they do seriously. And of course, I want Wildcat Sports to grow. And if, you, if you're looking for us online, you can, any of our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's at Wildcat Sports because it's cat with a K, K, A, T. Uh, we have a pretty decent online following, but we have some really, really humble, hardworking guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what we built. We have a 10 year, uh, we just made 10 years at a training center in June, this November. Early November will be our 10-year anniversary of live events, and I really wanted to put on this really big 10-year anniversary show, so I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it the way I wanted to because of the pandemic. Um, I don't know 
I'm kind of scratching my head on where to go and what to do because we just had our first return show back. We had over 650 tickets sold, but because of everything going on and the light up of, of COVID going on right now, we had about 250 not come. They still bought tickets mm. and we did well, but we only had about 400 people show up, but we sold over 650 tickets. Mm -hmm. So I'm scratching my head on where do we go next? What do we do? And do I take a chance of booking a massive arena and trying to do this big 10 year anniversary show? Or do I kind of wait till things die down a little bit and then really go balls to the wall and, and book a 10 year anniversary show? We didn't get to have a nine year anniversary show. So uh, my guys work hard. They deserve it. You know, and, and our fans are lovely down here. Our fans are very old school. You know, they, they cheer the baby faces. They boo the heels. They're just there to have a good time and they want to see good wrestling. So we do a good job of providing that for them. But I really, I'm really proud of what we built and uh, what we built. And I, I thank you for uh, bringing it up, Sam. Yeah, of course. If you're a wrestling fan, seek it out. And also, Luke Hawks uh, was on the podcast is a couple years ago at this point. But we spent about an hour, and he's got just a his whole career is just such a great wrestling story. So if for any reason you didn't hear that podcast, just scroll down. I don't know, a hundred shows or whatever it is and find it or just search it out on YouTube or something like that. But it's if you've already heard it, re-listen. And if you haven't, then listen again because uh, Luke Hawks is the man. And uh, what's next for you, uh, CM Punk? I mean, you're you're not going to wrestle anymore, right? Well, we're we're hoping and knocking on wood and crossing our fingers for a seal uh, a heel season two. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the world hasn't even seen episode three yet. You know, right. I make a debut in episode three. I must have done something right because they rewrote some stuff when they brought me back for the finale. So you know, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, that's technically the next time people will see me wrestle uh and i can't wait because i i, I think uh as the entire show is a love letter to pro wrestling my character specifically they gave me free reign to do whatever i want so i kind of pay homage to some certain people um that helped me out in my career and i can't wait for the people to to have fun with it and figure out who i'm who i'm uh who i'm ribbing <laughs> i can't searching for all the <laughs> easter eggs and stuff i love it and also this is my hope that like you do make a wrestling return, except it's as Ricky Rabies. Like that's CM Punk is dead, and you only perform as Ricky Rabies in the ring. <laughs> he would he, Ricky Rabies would be super over, dude. Like <laughs> seriously, like once it's it's hard to not spoil anything, but like Ricky Rabies would be super over, and once people see episode three, they'll get it. And you cover. You know what that means. You know what that means, right? What. What three hours? Three hours of makeup for Punk every day. Yeah, you had to cover yeah. all the tattoos, right? Ricky Rabies is not straight edge. Correct. Ricky Rabies is not straight edge, nor does he have tattoos at all. <laughs> so everything is covered up. And yeah, three, three and a half hours, depending on how many people working on me. I got a time lapse video uh, of the makeup application that I'm waiting to blast on social media once episode three airs. That's awesome. Oh, oh, and again, I don't want to ruin your reputation, Punk, but there's somebody else whose day you made. Uh, last time you were on Jim and Sam to promote Jacob's wife, I didn't realize it at the time. I guess I didn't notice it, but we put the video out. You were wearing a Danhausen t-shirt and, uh, Danhausen was, uh, very, he told me he's very appreciative of Pepsi men, uh, wearing the Danhausen t-shirt. I think it was just his birthday the other day. Yeah. Social media told me. So, you know, a happy birthday to, to, to Danhausen. That's great. I love it. Thank you both. You guys are great. And uh, everybody watch Heels Sunday nights on Stars. Thanks, Thanks for having us.